We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to a Thanksgiving edition of the Knicks Film School pregame show. My name is Andrew Claudio, a.k.a. GMAC, and it's time to preview a Black Friday matchup between the New York Knicks and the Miami Heat. It's the first time these two teams will play since their second round playoff series in which the Heat won in six games. It's yet another chapter in New York against Miami. In fact, the second New York versus Miami game on Black Friday. Shout out to the New York Jets, who will most likely continue to drive me insane when they play the Dolphins on Black Friday at three o'clock. But we're not here to talk about the trials and tribulations of my football team. We're here to talk about our very fun to watch and very good basketball team who come in at eight and six. They're playing a Miami team that is 10 and five. I'm recording this after they played the Cleveland Cavaliers while the interview you're going to hear happened before. I waited until after to record the intro to make sure nothing important happened. Uh, Some notes about the Miami Heat. They do come in at 10 and 5 and actually just kind of dominated the Cleveland Cavaliers who didn't have Donovan Mitchell, but it was a road game. Um, The Heat started off 1 and 4 and then went 9 and 1 in their next 10 games. So that is absolutely notable. So they are coming in on an uptick. Uh, Bam Adebayo didn't play in this game. Tyler Hero's also been out for a a couple of weeks. He is leaving a walking boot, but it doesn't look like he's going to play in this game either. Uh, Kevin Love is out for personal reasons, but who knows if he's going to play on Friday. Um, The the Heat do come in banged up a little bit, and obviously the Knicks have had some of their injuries with Quentin Grimes and uh, RJ Barrett, but they should be at full strength. This is yet another chapter in Knicks Heat, and I'm excited to uh, talk about what happened last year, what happened to the Heat offseason, and obviously what the Heat have done so far this year. I went a little long with this one because we had so much to talk about. Let's just get right to it. My conversation with friend of the pod, enemy of the pod, you decide, Giancarlo Navas of the Miami Heat beat previewing this matchup between the New York Knicks and the Miami Heat. Enjoy. He's back. Gee, how you doing, buddy? My man, I am back. What a <laughs> do, baby. We haven't talked since the playoffs last year. I, I had some personal stuff come up that we not on do air, it. not on air. No, we haven't. We, we've had talked a ton off the air. Um, however, and just my new buddy, Nick fans. You don't understand. This is a this is a real friendship. I hate to say it, Nick's fans, but I don't want to say you lost me to the the dark side, but. <laughs> Uh, Giancarlo and I like actually talk about things that aren't 
on the court and aren't sports related. And lo and behold, I, I may have actually found a new friend down in South Florida. However, you're my worst enemy during the playoffs, as I was saying in the intro, because well, and this week, although it's one game and honestly, I'm just so happy that the Knicks have a couple days off. Like, it's so weird <laughs> that there was two straight days and the Knicks didn't have a basketball game. Um, and so the Knicks take on the heat on Friday. I should say that we're recording this on Wednesday around around one o'clock and the Heat have a game tonight. So we'll see like if the Heat are coming in off of a loss or whether they're coming in off a win. Just putting that up front. We are the context is we are not going to be discussing anything that happens in the Heat game on Wednesday night against the Cavs. Having said that, I do want to ask one question about the playoffs last year because we didn't get to do an exit survey or recap of the series. Um, Knicks fans feel a certain way about the shoulda, woulda of it all and the performance that Jalen Brunson gave and almost carried them to potentially getting to a game seven. How did a Heat fan feel about or how do Heat fans feel about that series? Was it like what you expected, the Heat and six or did New York give you more of a scare then you oh shoot, were you surprised at the end of the series that the Heat ended up winning the series? I'm gonna I'm gonna give one to Nick fans. Jalen Brunson earned the respect of Miami fans. And you know, all the Heat fans I saw and that I talked to were like, hey man, that guy, that guy can hoop and respect Eric Spolstra gave him tons of praise. All the guys in the locker room gave Brunson a ton of praise. For the other guys, not so much, but for Jalen Brunson, I know that he had earned the respect of Miami fans. And I think that, and even mine, I was like, I can't, listen, we know me. I'm a hater. We know I live to hate, (laughs) right? And I couldn't even hate. I was like, no, he he balled. So I want to give, I want to give Jalen Brunson his flowers because, I mean, he played fantastic when really the Knicks offense fell apart around him. And he was the only guy really generating anything of service to them, whether it be getting, I mean, the way that he got to the line, I mean, Miami had good perimeter defenders and he's not a beat you with speed kind of guy, which typically what bothers Miami. He was just like, bro, he had those dudes on, on, on a string and he was manipulating every defender any way he wanted. That's the best I've ever seen him play. I think. And just credit to him, man. He he did he did incredible. Yeah, he sat for three minutes between game five and game six, and the Knicks got outscored nine nothing in those minutes. And it was like so evident by the end of game six that like the only chance we had was for Jalen Brunson and one other person to show up in the post game of game six for for our channel. I said like. We need to really understand what Jalen Brunson almost pulled off. He needed one other person to show up tonight. Oh, it was Randall didn't show up. Uh, uh, RJ didn't show up. Like Josh Hart in a limited role kind of did. But again, limited role. Like they were without quickly. No one else was hitting shot. But like it was just Jalen Brunson and Scott Foster. Like it's the only person that showed up for him (laughs) that night. Like that was it. New York going. But like that's it. Like he needed one other player to show up. Gabe Vincent showed up for you guys too. Gabe Vincent punched. Jalen Brunson in the yes. face at the end of that game. He did. I remember he did. we were like, what are you doing? And it was two shots. Like, that's all they had for uh, generating offense. Like, he had he had 40 points in a game. The Knicks scored 92. So, one other player shows up. We're back at the Garden for Game 7. And he's a hero because he forced, largely by himself, a, a Game 7 after being down 3-1. Gabe Vincent, man. That was just <laughs> that was something else. But... In reality, to, to f- kind of fully answer your question, I think the series went about, obviously, Butler gets hurt, and that changes your expectation on the series. I will say that Josh Hart is public enemy number one in Miami. 
that I know. know I don't that, fully understand why, but I'm going to say this. Like I, I don't think he tried to hurt Butler. Of course, he I didn't. don't think he tried to hurt Jimmy. I do think that he tried to get a call, and it was a little bit on the reckless side, and it was just an accident, and you know, but fans are going to get mad at that. Right? Fans are going to get mad at that. Most reasonable fans are going to be like. Most reasonable people are going to be like, obviously, he's not trying to like, he's not trying to take him out, but he flopped. And as a result of his goofiness, he got our best player hurt. And I kind of think that that's where most rational he fans stand. And yeah, man, that at the end of the day, that that ended our season because he was not right after that. He had, I think, one good game after that injury, which was the game against um, Boston where he went at Grant uh, Williams. And if you look at the numbers, he just did not have another good game the rest of the playoffs. He looked, his ankle was huge. I mean, we were on ankle watch uh, over at Miami <laughs> Heat. And listen, that's the name of the game in the playoffs. You know what I mean? And, you know, they almost blew a, a lead to Boston. And against Denver, he just really had nothing. The jumper was, they just didn't have much going. So, but I don't want to dwell on that. But, you know, it was a it was a fun series. I went to game one. In I, New York. I remember. Yeah, you were in Kyle Lowry the big hero game. It. Yeah, I I did. I, that was you know that was my first time in the Garden. Um, but yeah, man. So it was it was fun, and I'm, I'm I hope they can do it again. I had a feeling the Miami Heat fan reaction to Josh Hart or feelings about Josh Hart would come up. And um, while I get it, like your player got hurt and you're upset with the the person that got him hurt. Um, on behalf of Knicks fans that are going to be listening to this, wanting me to at least bring it up. So you're gonna say Bam moves moves every time he sets the screen. Quite literally, lost I've, two I've, players in the series because of Bam out of bio illegal screens. So as a result, like Emmanuel quickly didn't play the wasn't playing great, but was the next third best player all series. But that's what I mean. All season, Andrew. It's like I don't think that like and listen, I don't. I, I, man, everybody sets illegal screens. I'm not excusing it. Not like Bam. He's Kevin Garnett. He's perfected he's it. Like he he's, gets he's, away he's, with Draymond. It. No, Draymond's a goat at it. I think Draymond. Draymond because Draymond's of his size, he has to though, which is why I think he doesn't goat. get called for it. The point well, is like six nine, but he's still Bam like was. a big body. Draymond's yeah, six five guarding centers. Like so, he's I able. I, to, I admire Draymond Green in his game too. The point being is that like if one franchise is not allowed to complain about like. Of a player's actions injuring another team, it's probably a team that employs. I think it's more them the goofy, and I, th- I think we're in agreement. I think it's more the goofy element of like, man, you tried to flop to get a call, and like you literally like took our guy out. Like, so I gotta be honest. In Nick's fund, we don't even like dwell on the the play. Like, we don't even know if it was a like Josh Hart was outstanding on defense that entire playoffs. Like in the series yeah, against yeah. Mitchell, and then. There's some schematic stuff with Tibbs that's like, okay, Jimmy's hobbled. Well, they were weird. We don't have to double him. him. Yeah. Well, it's he, it's not even the the going at Jimmy. Like uh, down the stretch in game one, I agree with you, but this is the unfortunate thing, and we could bring him up now about Julius Randle being the version he was for the rest of the playoffs after the his second ankle injury. Like they just like didn't have a guy that they trusted to full-time go at yeah. Jimmy. It might've actually been Brunson and we saw how successful he was. It, RJ also outside of a one for 10 in game six was pretty successful throughout this year. Didn't a Nick player uh, take Jimmy in an ISO and embarrass him or. So no, what happened was down the stretch of game five, 
um, Quentin Grimes gets that was Quentin Grimes. I was like somebody by Bam on an illegal screen that wasn't called, and then he's hobbled, and Jimmy goes ISO on Grimes. That's what it was, and then he got and the steal, gets pickpocketed, and so it's yeah, like, yeah. oh my gosh, like this is a heroic moment for Quentin Grimes, who then did nothing in Game Seven or Game Six. Oh, you guys are so annoying about that. Yeah, I mean. Us. It, it happened, man. <laughs> it happened. I love, I love the, I love the rivalry. I think I it's so fun. That's that that made me feel alive because we got Bucks, Knicks, Celtics. We were just missing the Sixers for Mount Rushmore of FU. Yeah, or you could have even if the Lakers had gotten in. That's there's there would have been a rematch hate, for the finals. I you know, with Lakers LeBron. So much, bro. Yeah. Well, we also they got Denver, which they have a history with with Jokic. Uh, that's after right. Yeah, the, the fight. Assault. On on uh, Markeith Morris, is there a frustration in Miami that his first title came at the expense of the Heat? Not really. I not really. Okay, like, that guy's oh. the best player in the league. Like, it's not again the rational Heat fan probably thinks. No, that. I think most people. I think most, most people. people are like, okay, yeah, good. That guy. That guy. I mean, I don't know, man. We people have eyes. You know, you can't you can't watch that dude and be like, I mean, and I mean, listen, they did they did everything. They threw the kitchen sink at him, and he figured it out, and it was just. I think most Heat fans are just upset that Jimmy wasn't a hundred percent because and and Tyler because I actually think he, you know that's a particularly a series where Hero would have been really effective because he's so good against drop defenses and Denver plays a lot of drop and I think you know uh, you know not to talk too much about another no kind of you're series, good you're good Miami did this really interesting thing where they were kind of moving Jokic around by using Bam as a handoff man in corners for Robinson. Which they could have done that with Tyler and pick and roll. So Jokic would have to come help and then he'd have to come back out to defend the handoff because not, not a pick and roll, but a handoff. So it's like Jokic is moving like kind of north south a lot and they were really getting him tired. And his numbers obviously are great, but they weren't as good as his other series. And I think they, I think they wore him down with the zone, with making him work on defense in kind of unconventional ways, not going at him in a drop, but making him move and kind of do stuff like that. So, you know, not having Jimmy 100%, not having Hero in that series, which really could have helped them. Um, and obviously, like, they were they were missing size on the wing because Aaron Gordon was such a difference maker for them. And, you know, that was kind of Miami's Achilles heel, which I thought New York did a good job of exposing, right? They, they were really crashing the boards, being very physical with Miami. And, you know, they were playing Caleb Martin and Jimmy at, 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 in your front court. You know, that's just that's just really small. And you're gonna have to contend with these bigger bodies. So they had their warts. So it was it was a very interesting playoff run. And I actually do think the Knicks prepared them a bit because of how physical and the size that they had, and and along with the Bucks as well to kind of deal with some of the stuff later in the playoffs. So first of all, it's funny, and like I I remember the finals as much as I could as well. Obviously, I didn't watch it with the same intent eye yeah. as you or Heat fans. But to say like slowed down Jokic. In, in, in and I put that in games. massive air right, quotes. Massive air quotes in a series. He averaged, a, he averaged 30, amazing. 14 and seven and shot 58% yeah. from the field. Like that's slowing him. It's the LeBron, like Iguodala wins finals MVP for holding LeBron to 35. You can't stop 13 and those, nine in a game. <laughs> those kinds of players. You know what right, I mean? You, just, right. you do the you best you can with them. Enough. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, holding him to seven assists a game might actually be. That's the biggest win, him. bro. <laughs> like you take away that's his ability to win. create. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I do have like questions about this season, I promise. Yeah. But there was a very busy heat off season that like I was texting was you a it bunch. Busy? Well, as far as I, th- I think active, the maybe it wasn't busy, but it was yeah. it was uh uh they were talked about a ton. They were, uh, yeah, they were even busy. though they didn't do as much as as you would have thought, or at least it was reported that people thought they were gonna do. Um, the Dame stuff, like where are you with it today? I understand in the moment it was probably different than you feel now, where the Bucks and I mean the Bucks are have kind of readied the ship for everybody bringing up their defense. They're they're now the the two seed again in in the in the East and have like a good record. Um, the Heat though have gotten off to a tenant well as as we're recording a nine and five start and have won won seven of their last eight I believe. And if you want to take me back to this summer though, how are you feeling in the moment when the so let's start with the actual Dame trade when the the trade actually happened? How what, what's going through your head? Man, Joe Cronin's never seeing heaven. <laughs> I experienced, listen, okay. I want to be, there were two sides of me during this offseason. And I think for most Heat fans, I think it's Joe Cronin is going to hell. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, it's God, I really hope Dave makes a mess of this. Because in reality, Miami had to kind of suffocate the market because they just, Portland didn't want Hero. And I, I think Tyler Hero is a good player, right? I think that the fit in Miami is not the most ideal. And I think when you have guys like Jimmy and Bam, they don't fit great. And their team doesn't work. Their team is not the most, doesn't make the most sense. It makes a lot of sense this season, and we could talk about that. But I think Tyler as the third guy with that kind of conglomeration of players that they have doesn't make a ton of sense. So that's why he fans always kind of want to trade him because he's, a good player that can get you the most back that doesn't fit in their plans. And I understand Portland being like, well, we're going to draft Scoot Henderson. We have Sharp. We have like this, you know, we have the other, um, Anthony Simons. Anthony Simons, yeah. They have a litany of, of guards. We don't need another guard who can't defend. And I think that that's a totally fair feeling to have. And they say, I don't want that guy. I don't think that's unreasonable. And I think Miami knew it, and they had to choke out the market. And I thought Dame and his agent did a very good job about that. And eventually, Dame and his agent caved, which is fine. I mean, at the end of the day, he had to do it. I thought Miami played that as well as you could. And listen, Portland got a nice return. The one thing I was kind of annoyed about was them like poo-pooing Miami's pick package. Like, oh, Miami's picks are always bad. And then they like, they're celebrating Boston picks. I was like, yeah, and Milwaukee picks. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I'm like, if anything, the Heat picks are always better because they do bad in the regular season and then they just do a stupid playoff run. So that was the one thing I was like, ah, let's go. But listen, 
I can't. They they clearly made out okay. Although I don't know about the Scoot Henderson character right now. I don't know if you've seen Andrew. <laughs> But Scoot Henderson going to the is, G League, got sent yeah. to the G League, and this DeAndre Ayton character—he's not very good. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Tyler mm-hmm. Hero's playing really well, but so obviously Miami had no plan B. It was Tyler. It was it was Dame or bust. And in their defense, and I will defend them when a player does what Dame does, demands to go somewhere and chokes the market out. And I don't care what anybody says. Three first round picks, Tyler Hero, Jovic. And Hawkes is not an offensive package. I don't care what anybody says. Or and Kyle Lowry's thirty million dollar expiring salary. I just don't care because you could flip Hero. That's not an offensive package because Jovic is a nice project player that fits position and need for you. And Hawkes is clearly good, right? And obviously they didn't know that at the time. But you know it just bothered me that 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 was some sort of offensive package it was certainly below market value but it's not like this it, it was it's it's not like the beal trade where you have to take cents on the dollar like actual cents on the dollar for a guy with a no trade clause so that's kind of my take on it i'm i was mad at the time because i think joe cronin is an asshole but you know i think it worked out for everybody except for portland i think the only follow-up i have to off-season talk or I, from the dame conversation is what you did hear out of Miami, and I think Riley spoke to this on Media Day. I don't know how much you can take from any Media Day quote, but or Riley in general, yeah, true. But <laughs> the, like the the sentiment of they got better or like they have enough, and I don't know if the ten the 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 start they've had to the season has started to lead to you know a, a victory lap of any kind of them being like, see, we we were fine not to make the Dame trade. But where do you stand on that? Do you think they got better with the offseason they had, regardless of whether they could have gotten Dame or not? Shout out to the GOAT, Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald, who tweeted at some point, they like their team except reality. Um, <laughs> and that's okay. become a meme. That's become a meme on Heat Twitter. Okay. And they say that all the time, Andrew. They're always, they, that's, they just, listen, the Heat say BS all the time. Right. They don't, you know, I, I would not listen to a word Riley says in public. As do the Knicks. Uh, yeah. Tibbs is a, yeah. is a and, master and listen, of it. Yeah. Bro, Pat Riley these once things said, are. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew, he, Pat Riley once said at a charity event, I will never trade Shaquille O'Neal and then trade Shaquille O'Neal <laughs> later that evening. So, you know, I, I don't listen to what these guys say, but yeah. I think some things made sense about their team kind of going into this year. And we talked about it pre- like kind of prior to the preseason. Hawkes theoretically filled their biggest need, which was a stabilizer at power forward because they have literally not had one because it was Crowder and then Crowder left and then they put Ariza who stunk and then they replaced Ariza with Tucker who was great and they were great. They made the finals with Crowder. They were bad with Ariza. They lost in the first round. They made game seven of the conference finals with Tucker and so... And last year they put Caleb Martin and Jimmy Butler at that position, and then Kevin Love, and they had and they had a horrible regular season, right? So they needed a stabilizer at the. At, they literally did not have a real power forward last year. So Hawkes theoretically is like, okay, he's that connector that can move the ball, can theoretically shoot a little bit, can defend, is experienced as a college player. That if he pans out, that's literally the missing piece that you've needed. And he fans are intrigued by Highsmith. And I know that you can check the VODs 
on our podcast and other heat pods, like my colleagues at five reasons or our friends at locked on heat, we were all saying Highsmith is like the key to this working mm. because he provides to you theoretically kind of corner shooting in spurts. He's a defender who can play up or down. He can switch. He can do all the things. So if you're a Heat fan, you were thinking if our power forward situation is like under control, if Kyle Lowry can play like some version of who he is because he was so bad last season, then they're cooking with something. And that has all come to fruition, right? So Gabe Vincent was really bad last regular season. And Max Struess struggled last regular season, partly because Max played out of position and partly because Gabe was hurt. But those, the loss of those guys were not going to be like huge regular season like losses for them. And instead, they've replaced them with a guy like Josh Richardson, who's contributing a lot for them. A guy like Hawkes, who's playing... I mean, he's like a, a contender for like all rookie first team right now, which is like incredible value where they got him in the draft and how experienced and how like well he fits their team. Highsmith is starting for them. And I think that they've won. They went, they've gone like 18 and two with Highsmith as a starter, you know, from this season and last. So like that, that's super promising as well. So their team just kind of makes more sense. They still need a, they still need another guard. I think they need some, some, some guard help. And, you know, Duncan Robinson is playing incredible. And I think a lot of Heat fans kind of banked on he was going to progress to the mean because he's like his shooting was like 42 percent 40 percent 38 percent and then last year was like 32 percent more like that 32 percent is not real and lo and behold he's playing great again this season so i think he fans are all kind of looking at that and the organization looked at that and that's kind of where some of that belief came from because of how bad last regular season was so it's less about it was less about like I, I I'm gonna throw you a bone here. It's less about heat culture, and it was more about like last year. So much went wrong that we're due for yeah. a regression in the opposite direction, right? I absolutely, and I think that they banked on like heat culture for like stuff like, which is a funny sentence to say, but guys like Highsmith, yeah, right? it's like, hey, are you is this the next guy that we're gonna be able to turn into? A, a starting level rotation player. So let me jump in because you brought up Highsmith and his lineup data is fascinating. And I don't even know if it's what he is doing specifically, but if you go to clean the glass and you just sort by 150 possessions this season, he'd have the second best lineup. It's the the one in, in um, I believe it's, it's still Boston. Yeah. The one in Boston that is off the charts and is plus 30. And then it's a plus 20, a plus 19.1 specifically of Lowry, Duncan Robinson, Haywood Highsmith, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo. It's on par with the uh, Denver starting five that has been awesome since, um, since Jamal Murray went down. And then you go to the Miami Heat and their lineup data as on the whole and three of their four most used lineups, um, are plus 16, plus 26, and plus 19. And two of them feature Haywood Highsmith. So I didn't know if you, because I'm, I'm looking at the splits and it's like 25 minutes a game shooting 30 from three. Like what actually is he contributing to make this work as you put it? He makes their team make sense because he can defend at the four, which they bleed threes because they overhelp constantly. Mm. They, they could not contain dribble penetration as Nick fans very well saw in that that series. Jalen Brunson got to the rim whenever he wanted. And even to, to be honest, even to an extent, Barrett, you know, had a few. Yeah, RJ, yeah. 
they're stronger at the wings though, but particularly like they just have they, the heat, you know, they, they struggle to contain dribble penetration. So they overhelp, which is why they don't allow a lot of uh, field goal attempts at the rim, but they allow a high percentage, right? So they're constantly overhelping, which makes them bleed threes, which they're okay with. Highsmith stabilizes that because he can switch onto those ball handlers. They're playing more drop, which I think helps kind of contain the ball because I think they trust their defenders a little more this season. Kyle's been really good. And a guy like Highsmith can defend four, can defend one through four. And he provides enough shooting that he makes enough of them, especially from the corners um, I, I, as a catch and shoot guy, that it makes their offense move. Duncan in there over Tyler, I think is a huge part of this as well. And I think it's just, and, Andrew, sometimes, sometimes stabilization is more important than talent. And I think that in this, this is a scenario where They've had more talented players in those positions, but those guys make sense. They're smart cutters. If you watch them, the ball is moving. When the ball finds Highsmith, it's either he takes an open three or he's cutting or he's moving. He defends hard and rebounds. What else could you ask for out of your fifth starter, right? And a guy like Duncan Robinson, who's introduced in that lineup, is playing lights out, is moving the ball. He's The ball never sticks. He's off the dribble, give it up when the defender comes out. It's the shots going up for an open three. He's getting guys involved. And everything's kind of humming together. So I, I I think Highsmith and Robinson are so key to making that happen. Because Jimmy's still in I don't I don't give an F mode right now, uh, which he's earned it. Like I will never criticize that guy for mailing it in in November because we know that, you know, when when spring comes, he's there. But those guys are keeping them afloat right now. And and that, that lineup data, I think, adequately reflects how they look and how good and like perfectly fitting Highsmith and Robinson are. I know you asked about Highsmith, but I think it's as much about Duncan as it is about well, Haywood. To the point, I guess what what's not necessarily confusing, that best lineup, the 151 possessions. Of, is their starting lineup. It's their starting five. Like, Duncan's in it, too. And, yeah. like, the, the points per Which possession. Hero went down recently. Hero got so hurt. That so leads Duncan's into the replaced. next question with, yeah. with Hero. Because I, you tell me how much of a real narrative it is in Miami, whether it is a thing that they made it to the finals after Hero went down. Or they go on this six, this winning streak after Hero goes down. And like we should mention, he's questionable. He's finally out of a walking boot. He got an ankle injury. I have no idea if he's going to play in this game against the Knicks on Friday. I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't, I, also, I wouldn't count on it. Wouldn't count on it. So like one thing that a lot of Knicks fans depend on is RJ Barrett has had his best games in his career against the Heat. And a lot of that has to do with the fact is that he sees blood when he sees Tyler Hero on the floor. And... I mean, you tell me how much I should take in the fact that from an outsider's perspective, it does seem like they just click better. And as you said, make more sense when he's not. I mean, you did say like it doesn't make sense when when you were talking about trade negotiations, why Tyler Hero gets put in. But you've also said he's a good basketball player. Like yes. make sense of it all to me what the Tyler Hero narrative is. So Tyler is a guy, their most successful season was the year they were the one seed when Tyler was the sixth man of the year. Ran the bench units. They they separated Duncan slash Struess from, from Hero because Hero and, and Duncan just historically cannot play together. Those lineups are atrocious on yep. offense and defense. You would think that at least on offense, they're good. They're just bad on offense. And I think that the way that Miami runs their off-ball movement, it is very 
like they don't run two guys, right? So if Duncan's, you know, they'll run an empty corner hammer screen or whatever, and that's for Duncan to relocate, not for Tyler, right? Because of Jimmy's ball handling or whatever, Bam is, is at the elbow. They, they, those two guys cannot like occupy the same space, right? And Tyler also wants the ball in his hand. And Tyler's a really good off ball shooter, but he's a better pull up shooter. And he wants the ball in his hand, and that's where he's most kind of comfortable, and that's where he's the best. He doesn't get free throws, which I think is the biggest problem with this offense is that you know they don't get to the rim. Nobody mm. puts rim pressure except for Jimmy and kind of Bam. Well, Bam this season has been like pretty fantastic. So Tyler doesn't fit those needs because they already have a guy that does what he's best at, and he doesn't need the ball to do that other stuff. And he's bigger. And Tyler off the bench makes the most sense, but he's. I think rightfully wanted to start. I think he earned it. You know, whether I think his role is better served off the bench or not is irrelevant because he's a young player who I think earned a starting spot, Andrew. And I think that if he wants it, he should have had it, right? Whether that's best for the team or not is a different conversation, but I think he earned it. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to besmirch him for wanting that. But I do think ultimately he's better served coming off their bench. And, when they, you know, the narrative that you talked about, it's a thing. People, it's hard not to notice, right? And I think, I think people are mixed here. I think, like I said, Tyler against Denver would have been really helpful. Against Boston, not so much. That's a, that's a rough series for him. I think New York would have been another rough series because of how huntable he is with guys like Brunson and a guy like Barrett who are really good at kind of finding those matchups. Um, he was playing very well against Milwaukee in, in that first game before he got hurt. So that's kind of unfortunate. We couldn't see how that worked out he did play well against them in the bubble so it's it's hard to tell and with this winning streak you know let's keep it a buck they've only played bad teams yeah they have not been a single good team yet (laughs) so while i like the way that the team works with duncan in the starting lineup more than tyler and i will advocate that because i just think it makes more sense they haven't beaten anybody they beat the lakers who are bad they beat you know the bulls they beat um charlotte twice they beat the Spurs on a comeback when they were down like 19. Memphis. You know, they beat Memphis. They beat the Nets. Atlanta. You know, a lot yeah. of these games on the road. So I'll give them that credit that they've won a lot of road games uh, and they won some back-to-backs. But a lot of a lot of bad teams, man. A lot of uh, they beat Atlanta, which I guess I don't know what you call Atlanta. I guess they're the best team of the bunch. They are. Their offense is great. You could score on them, as we saw with the the and that Pacers was game Jimmy. last night. That was yeah. an impressive. That was a good win for them because that was without Jimmy. So, yeah. you know, I don't want to say like, oh, well, they're, you know, I don't I don't want to say they're better without Tyler, but I think they're better when Tyler has a role because their their second unit needs a little work, I think. And I think that he makes a lot of sense there. So that's going to be kind of an interesting conversation is, when he comes back for Spoke. Is there any conversation around the team from what you gather that he could find a bench role or run the second unit again? I think when he comes back, he'll be a starter. But he'll be a starter. They, Do you think they'll I, stagger, though? Like, RJ runs a second unit right now, but he's a starter. Is there any world where you stagger Tyler's minutes enough that you can play your best lineup that we've talked about with Highsmith and Duncan in the starting five, or with the starting five, and you put Tyler mostly with these bench units? If, like, if you stagger it correctly... They're gonna have to change up their rotation because they, they were doing some weird stuff. Like what? I think Spo would do this thing where, like, no Jimmy, no Bam, no Tyler to start the fourth. It was like, what are you doing? It, it, it was very strange. And then he stopped that. Then he just like brought, I think Bam played like most, if not all of the fourth quarter. 
kind of changed that after a couple of those really bad blown leads because Miami yeah. has is like one of the worst fourth quarter teams in the NBA, which is just a whole other conversation. Can I ask you a question while we're on that? Yeah. The the no Jimmy, no Bam, no Tyler minutes. So like during the playoffs, Knicks fans got frustrated at the as weird as this sounds, at the no Randall, no Brunson minutes. Like it would be the first beginning of the second, beginning of the fourth, like you run the bench unit out there and it's RJ with the bench. And it was like it was such a sticking point with with Knicks fans. Like, why is he doing this? You have to have one on the floor at all times. The gravity is different when they do. I, I like think there's some truth to that. I also looked across the aisle and the way the Knicks got back in game five against the Heat after a, a dreadful first quarter where I thought we were headed for Heat in five is this 18-2 run when Bam and Jimmy are both on the bench. So like you recognize that Spo does it, you get to the finals and Malone is running these lineups without Murray or Jokic. Jokic. And like the fact that like Doc was getting criticized for it in Miami, the not Miami in Philly, the, the, uh, no one beat no, no, Harden. Beat, no Harden. So like, do you think it matters? Like the, the minutes without yeah, uh, Jimmy and Ben. So like, why does every coach? Because do it, they, because they have a limited team. Mm -hmm. Right. They have all these role players. They're like super role players that like are very specialized. Right. So it's like you throw out Richardson and a rookie and whatever is left of Caleb Martin's knees and Kevin Love or Thomas Bryant, who's been awful. So you have this like hodgepodge of dudes. And I was like, you look at with Duncan Robinson and you're just like, how are they supposed to score? I don't understand. Like, what's the thought process here? And all those guys can't defend either. So in re it, it's like, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make sense. At least with Denver, you can mm -hmm. be like, all right, well, you're running Gordon. You know, you can run a facsimile of what you run with, with Jokic because Gordon's a good passer. You can run some of the handoff stuff. You play him at the small ball five, and you just try to freaking run, right? And you got these, these you know, KCP and all these guys that, like, move really well and there's strong cutting. And Jokic and Murray are not, like, saving you defensively. And Denver was scoring fine with those guys on the bench. And they were defending better because they were able to switch a lot more. So for Denver, it makes sense. And that way you optimize the Jokic minutes by keeping him stapled to his favorite pick and roll partner. It makes less sense if you're Miami or New York when you're just like, well, I think New York is even different because I think New York even has more guys that can kind of hurt you off the dribble like quickly. And you quickly, saw Grimes kind yeah, of showed some yeah. ball skills and RJ. Miami has three guys that can create their own shot. So again, my question is less about what I guess I shouldn't have even asked if it, if it makes sense, if it's more like or does it matter? I more mean like, why do coaches do this? You bring up the finals with Jokic and I think and it's Murray. optimization. I think it's like but you just want like... Denver was doing this in the conference finals too. And the way the Lakers were getting back in games and building leads is because they staggered LeBron and AD. Like one was on the court at all times. Now they, this variable of Austin Reeves, I don't know what you want to make of it, but like it was clearly working. But like, unfortunately, that was one of the things we were, <laughs> was one of the things we were pointing to as Knicks fans that were like, I, I don't, I don't think this is why this is costing them that much. I do believe it's a margin that they could get away from. But by game five, they did get away from it. Brunson played the entire game in game five and he sat for three minutes and apparently and he, was, to. And he it was the only thing that hurt them in game game six really is that like from a coaching decision, it was like you you, you lost the Brunson minutes by the lineup that you put out there. Um, but like, it seems like a lot of coaches do that. Why do you think that is when it's clearly not something that works? I think that 
A, I think coaches want their stars rested for the end of game. So I think like a lot of times at the start of quarters, like they want to end the half, like, you know, with mm-hmm. their best guys. And I think particularly in the fourth quarter, which is why like oftentimes you see these really weird lineups to end the third, start the fourth. And sometimes they're like, hey, can I buy two minutes? Right. Yeah. And in the playoffs, it's different than the right in the right in the playoffs. You know, the regular season coaches are coaches and they're like and players are players. Like players have said a lot. I like to know what, like Jimmy's like, I come in at 630 in the fourth. That's when I come in and I need to know so I can be mentally prepared to do that. And players like to know their, they like their rotation stable. The playoffs are different because in the playoffs, you know, as we saw with Tibbs, it's like, okay, I need to buy three minutes because my guy mm-hmm. can't, you know, they get, this is too much for, 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 for Jalen. Mm-hmm. The playoffs is, is kind of different. You kind of take it. Okay. Can I, can I buy a little time as opposed to where you're coaching in the playoffs, you coach the situation. In mm-hmm. the regular season, you know, you're implementing a system that will kind of carry you through 82. So they, you know, Spo does tinker because he did go away from that. It clearly was not working. And they switched up their rotation and, and they they bam, they sat Bam a little early in the fourth. They played Jimmy and Love together as Love is a new backup five. So I think coaches do it just because they want some sort of consistency and they want to kind of play their guys together at the end and get those end-of-game reps when those guys are rested as opposed to stretching out minutes in the fourth quarter. Because fourth quarter minutes are a lot more intense, Andrew. Mm-hmm. Right? Especially they're, in the playoffs, not. yeah. And I think you don't, you, you need to, you know, I don't think you also want to bring a guy in to start the fourth, take him out, and then bring him back in at the end of the fourth. I think that might throw a guy's rhythm off too. That I don't know. I should ask coaches this. But certainly, I, I have to think that that's a factor. I don't know if you noticed this. They're doing that in Atlanta right now. Yeah, like the are. Snyder rotation is Trey for the first three minutes, then Trey sits and it's DeJounte's show for the next four. Or I think it's four, four, and four. That And that's how the Knicks, they just won a game on the road in Atlanta. And they played the Trey minutes about even, and it was a close game with about eight minutes left. Trey subs out. Atlanta goes up seven, and then Tibbs calls timeout. And then he puts Trey back in, and the Knicks didn't, that didn't have a possession the rest of the game that didn't result in points. I don't know. I think it could go either way, like your system working. And then in the playoffs, like there's a, I, I want to get your perspective on Tibbs as a coach. I know Miami's largely owned him over the years, but like there is such a frustration and a loud minority of Knicks fans that are like, we'd be better with someone else. We'd have a higher ceiling with someone else. And who's like, that someone else though? You could say Johnny Bryant, their assistant coach. You could say like there was an outcry for Bud when he got fired by the. What's up? I like Bud. You like Bud? So should the Knicks have gone and gotten him over Tibbs after they got to the second round for the first time since 2013? I think Bud's better than Tibbs. You think I see? I don't. I think Bud's largely succeeded because of the great players that he's had. Um, I mean, bro, that guy took that Atlanta team and made them like in a very weak Eastern Conference. But they still won like 60-something games, bro. That's not easy. That's a great regular season, yes. If you're saying you want to raise the ceiling, then go get a guy that well, raises your I ceiling. Mean, I, I want to... Let's have a frank conversation. Yeah. Because the Knicks are not at a position where they're going to contend soon. Okay. I they're, agree with that. That's the narrative. Away. That's the narrative that comes out is they don't need a player Andrew, or two. Even if they get Donovan Mitchell, I don't. I think they're still a move or two away. Well, that's that's a different... That's a different conversation. I guess like who, who the who the player of, of is. Mitchell. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like you know, if you get Mitchell plus I don't know another guy, or if, I don't know if the Knicks get Zion, we're having a different conversation. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Or like so, yeah. it just is. It, I, so it, I'm just like saying it's like they're not. 
for this year, I think Knicks, I think last year was a, a, a success for, for New York. I think that's a great season. And I think the Knicks, Nick fans should be very happy. I think the Knicks organization should be very happy that they, you know, got to game six of the second round for the first time. And I don't know how long 2013. That, you know, you, yep. Your newly acquired free agent was like, kind of had a breakout performance as like a lead guard, you know, and I have my thoughts on Randall and I think kind of flipping Randall for somebody that's a little bit more consistent. And that's a little, I, I kind of think some of Randall's production is spotty. He has some really great moments, right? He's had some seasons in the regular season where you're just like, wow, this guy is like the f- kind of power forward that you want in the modern NBA. And then he just kind of disappears and doesn't he have like any flip off Nick fans or whatever. I don't know. The vibes are off with him. For me, like watching, like I'm not a big Randall fan, but I feel the vibes are off. So this is the point where I usually. But now with Jalen, Jalen's no, no, Jalen Brunson. Jalen is vibe yeah. city, dude. Yeah, reigning Eastern Conference Player of the Week. We can have the is Randall conversation. Yes, he won last oh, week for for the Eastern Jaylen Conference. Brunson. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We could have the Randall convo now. This about now in the pot is when I discuss, like I ask for my guest to ask me a Knicks question or give yeah. a Knicks thought. Um, so did you, were you aware of the start Randall got off to? I think the last time we spoke. It was really bad. Yeah. yeah I was making fun of it. Yeah. And it was like, Randall's also like the worst start in 20 years, like of anybody of that volume. Hell yeah, brother. And like, man, the post game after the, the Randall game against Milwaukee, where he shot five of 20 with a ton of turnovers, like he was shooting 12% from three on a ton of volume, shooting 26% from, right. Like I was, I was trying to remember the makes by that's how, that's how bad the start was. And coming off of last year's playoffs, which was also coming off of the year before in which the the thumbs down year is what we call it, where he literally was having a good game and he was thumbing, gave a thumbs down to the fan That's base. That's kind of and badass. Had, I mean, he had to, he had to put a thing out on Instagram to be like, my bad. The vibes are off, but it is funny. Right. What's funny, even funnier, I should say, um, the game after we first, not first met, our second conversation where he hit the quote unquote buzzer beater. And mine wasn't at the buzzer, but the game winning shot, ridiculous shot in Miami, it reset everything for a week. Like <laughs> it changed the narrative with Randall during it. Like it was the Knicks eighth win in a row. He was clearly headed for all NBA. That was his 40, 40 set, 41st and 42nd point. Like, Obviously, in New York, you do something in Miami and we're going to remember it. And we were set up like with Make Randall. Sure to keep that energy on Sunday. I, I, I need I need well, this. Friday, Friday. Played, oh, that's right. It's Friday. Yeah, we By the way, Friday. for context for, for your audience, I'm a Jags fan and I'm sick of Dolphins fans. So just well, please. Ironically, the Jets and Dolphins also play Friday night. So it's a black that's what Friday I meant. game. No, that's what I meant. Oh, OK, that's what you say. Keep that energy. I, I want the Jets energy. I want the New York to do something in Miami energy. Listen, we don't have to. I have another pod Jets therapy where I get all my thoughts out there. Listen just, to that. My one, New York, check that out. Thank you. I, I'll just give you the 20 second version. Um, ain't happening. There, I gave you the five second version. Ain't happening. <laughs> like, 
The Jets have some, have some guts. I don't. I have guts. The Jets offense doesn't have a pulse. <laughs> so there's you kind of need one in order to succeed at the other. The temperature that I get as far as the vibes are concerned with Randall, um, there's like a very small subset that's like, man, we haven't had a lot of players be as successful as he is. Like, appreciate this. Yes, fine. Upgrade if the opportunity's there. But man, like I'm, we're doing this trivia, these trivia things with with Nick's film school, like these things called pop quizzes, and I'm going through Stathead and creating these these trivia questions for for Macri and some of our hosts, and Julius Randle's popping up in every Carmelo Anthony conversation. He's always second, but it's like most points in the last twenty years. It's Carmelo Anthony, Julius Randle, most rebounds I mean, in the last fifteen years. Carmelo Anthony, Julius Randle, like. We have not had a lot of players make All-NBA twice in a span of three years. We have not had a lot of players make the All-Star game twice in a span of three years. I get it. You're grading it against the Knicks, but there is a small subset. I think I subscribe to that's like, if the whole point is regular season success right now, and then you upgrade, he's actually been a large success. I do think the trust issues that are there, though, that eventually we're going to want to win something more than regular season games. And in two playoff experiments, He's been the worst high volume playoff player in NBA history. So Andrew, that's where they are right now. A guy gives you can take you from a lottery team to like a respectable team. And sometimes those guys can't take you over the top. And I think like I think of a guy like Eric Bledsoe is a good mm. example. Right. A guy that helped Milwaukee get from like, okay, like this isn't a very serious team. Obviously, Giannis is the engine, but like I'm talking like, you know, one of these guys that was like made all star teams like really good. And he clearly wasn't the championship answer. And I'm sure that Milwaukee fans, you know, did appreciate guys like, you know, Blitz. And Blitz was the first name that comes to mind. I'm sure that there are, you know, there are, there are others. But, you know, DeMar DeRozan. DeRozan's the right? one I always go to. That DeRozan's are DeRozan for right now. You know, and, well, I think the DeRozan vibes were different because Raptors fans all like universally love DeRozan. They're heartbroken the day of that trade. And yeah, they, they, they all recognized we got better, but I hate that we're going to compete for a title yeah, exactly. without DeMar. So sometimes guys, sometimes guys, yeah, and could be coaches, right? Could be, you know, a guy like, um, you know, um, uh, Dwayne Casey in Toronto to use the Toronto example again, you know, the upgrade to Nick Nurse, you know, I'm sure that Raptor fans, you know, Dwayne Casey really brought that that franchise from you know a, a team that wasn't doing a lot to a, a perennial 50 win team and you know really were the the biggest competitors to Cleveland you know competitors because Cleveland would wash them but you know they, they did put up you know they, they tried to put up a fight at least and all that so I think sometimes those guys are not you know and, and I think the same for Tibbs as well kind of kind of loop back the whole yeah, conversation yeah, full we circle. I think sometimes those guys that help get you somewhere don't always have to be the guys that take you to the finish line. And that's an uncomfortable conversation for fans to have. And I think that you have a good perspective on Randall. I think everything that you've said is hundred percent correct. He's been very successful. I mean, making all NBA is a huge accomplishment, but you know, he does have his warts and sometimes Andrew, you need like, like when you have LeBron and Dwayne Wade, you know, you and Chris Bosch, you know, you can fix other warts. Right when you have Draymond, Steph, Clay, and 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 those guys, and KD, you fix warts. Not every team has that luxury, and you got to get every element right. And sometimes you like a guy, and it's just the fit's not perfect, and you don't have enough talent to overcorrect for that. And I, I kind of think that's what the Knicks are in. So I don't disagree with Nick fans that might not want Thibodeau there. 
I think that if you want to be a successful team, you know, in the regular season and, and kind of win a couple playoff series, I think Tibbs is a, a good coach, clearly very prepared. I think defensively, you know, you know what he brings. I think that they he gives you an element of toughness that I think is a little bit understated. The Knicks are a physical team. They, you know, we know their MO, they have an identity. And I think for a lot of people in New York, that feels great that we're like, okay, we have a, we have a, this team knows who they are under Tibbs. And that's important. That's not like a small thing. And you may get another guy in here and you, you may have to find years to find another coach that can give you an identity, but sometimes you got to take bigger swings to elevate, you know, but I don't think the Knicks are at a point that they need to make that decision with their coach yet. I think if they acquire some more talent, then you have to have to have start those conversations. So I'm glad you said it that the talent's not there yet because that has been a belief from a subset good, of Knicks fans. I don't, I don't want your audience to get mad at me. No, no, no. They, well, first of all, they're going to get mad at you regardless. They're going to hate you, me regardless. You already brought up the Josh Hart thing, so three minutes in, they're yeah, already I, mad I at open you. Bad. I open bad. Yeah, but um, like there will be Knicks fans that are like, no, he's a bad coach. Get him out of here. And... Like they would have he's done not, better with he's not a bad coach. I agree. And on, again, the conversation after the second round last year was like, we lost to this eighth seed. How, how dare Hell you? Hell yeah, brother. You know? Like, I mean, this is what the heat do. They got two other teams to fire their coach at the end of Did last season. Did you see yesterday in, I saw Celtic fans and Buck fans arguing who got beat worse. I saw. Yeah. You put that on Twitter and it was like, oh, this is this is what the Heat do. Because when you go to this winning streak, you mentioned they haven't beaten anybody. I'll add in that the Bulls are the only team in this stretch of winning that you beat by double figures. I don't even know if you could claim that as a victory because there's this 22 to 1 start that you blew. And I can't even claim that like that's the worst memory of the matchup in the back to back against the Bulls. So um Look, this, the Heat, this is what I've been saying on, on our side of things. is like the Heat are just going to do this to us again, where they're going to win every game or play every game within a five to six point margin, and they're going to be close. Period. And and you're not going to be able to get like a good overall evaluation for them. Like they're, they're just barely outscored the other team this season on the whole. Their net rating is a barely a positive, and they might win... 60 they might win 50 games they might win 35 games and i'm gonna be terrified wherever they are uh, come playoff time and that's just until the dragon has been slayed like i'm officially spooked after last year i thought i had a good read you're bill simmons i'm I'm not him and mike sure being like the zombie heat i do recognize they're the patriots for me now where it's like until they're dead i will then start to think it's over i will then think it's over it's both. I do think and it is. You have the best coach in the league, which is why, like, come playoff time, I was ready to have, like, you know what? It's an honor to lose to the Milwaukee Bucks. Although I give Tibbs a shot in a series against Bud, who I personally think they're on the same level of. We can argue about yeah. it in a different different day. But I said, if they, I think I our, during our pregame pod, I was like, I think the only coach that scares me the rest of the way is Spo. And it's why I give, like, the heat I an edge. I heard that the entire playoffs, uh, Andrew. Everybody was talking about oh this and this but spo right, right but spo he's honestly like their most valuable was always, player at this point <laughs> but spo, but spo yeah. which makes me happy cuz man they wanted him fired bro like that was the, the if i can respond to the uh hangover time comments that i was watching during the finals and it's like 
got to get a different coach in here. Like it's, it's old and tired. Like what, what Spoke did, like, I couldn't believe the fire Spoke that I was seeing some, throughout the some playoffs. Some fans are ridiculous. There are Spurs fans that want like Popovich, like gone. It's crazy. Yeah. I well, was like, the Sohan thing is weird, but I also, at a certain point, you, you got to just let Pop, like it's the Belichick thing. Like at a certain point, he gets to go out on his own. You know, I think with with a guy like with a guy like Spolstra, you know, it's not just it's not just what he does from an X's and O's perspective. He players love that guy. Like if you read the story, I believe it was in the Athletic two years ago about what he did for Justice Winslow when Winslow was going through some of the lowest points in his life. Mm. You know, I I've kind of heard that. Spo made the call to Josh to bring him back and Josh took a below market value to be here with, with Spo. And, you know, when the, when the relationship with the organization with Dwayne and Riley and Harrison fell apart, the one that didn't was with Spo. Mm. That's like, that's brotherhood. And even a guy like LeBron spoke glowingly. I mean, when does LeBron doesn't do that? LeBron doesn't lose a game and then go on the podium and talk about how great the other coaches, but he did it for Spo Cause there's a, there's a respect there. And during the finals as well, like, what that guy brings from not just a nexus to nose, but what he's done for players, like personally, that guy, that guy cares about people. And he tries to be, I think, as good as, you know, a person to these people as he can be. Cause I think he understands that this is not just we, what we're doing on the court is not the only thing that matters, but it's, you know, I want to be somebody that matters to them as human beings. And, that translates a long way, man. I think we've all worked for people that we feel like don't care about us, but I think it's a little different when we feel guys care about us. And Andrew, everybody buys in to what he does, not to make this like a big Spo rant thing, but like Dwayne Wade came off the bench for this yeah. franchise because it was the best for the team, right? Goran Dragic came off the bench when, you know, these are accomplished players. I mean, Dwayne Wade is like the franchise, right? And he he bought into what's Bo asked. Kyle Lowry, who listen, that's my favorite player. It's your guy, yeah. Kyle Lowry is the most persnickety a hole you can imagine. Kyle Lowry was in training camp saying I should be the starting point guard, like zero conversation and book closed. And that guy came off the bench last season for Gabe Vincent because he that if that guy bought into Spo, no complaints. Come on, like. That shows the kind of guy he is. So just aside from the X's and O's, just dudes just believe in him. And then we could talk about all the innovations he's done, all the kind of inverted sets that he runs. How I mean, we I mean the spotations is a popular thing on Heat Twitter, how the, everybody gets mad at his rotations, but uh you cannot deny kind of the innovations that he's done on both offense and defense. And Andrew, how every year they change their defense and depending on their personnel. Last year, switch heavy. This year, they're playing more drop. They're they're playing less zone. Last year, it was a lot of switch, a lot of zone. This year, more drop, less zone. Like, they change because he's not beholden to, like, his rigid ideas. He wants to, like, do what's best with the personnel that he has. Yeah, the man, he'll never get on the open market, but, like... I hope not. I feel like every single every single fan base would say, like, give me Spo over... Over any over their coach, I it's think all, maybe the Spurs don't because of legacy. But yeah, I even think if you ask a Spurs fan, they'd be like, "Like we get the next, but we get the next pop." You know, like the next best thing is a younger version of pop that may be more conducive to to the modern game. I, maybe Denver says no too. I think I think they love Malone. 
I think they love Malone. I think they all recognize why they're winning is because they have one of the greatest players in NBA history in his prime on on the team right now. Like what Spo did last year, I think was will be his crowning achievement, not what he did throughout the throughout the the big, the three, big three era. You know, and I like, think he will feel actually. I think if you ask Spo, I think he's most proud of thirty and eleven, going well, thirty and eleven, go, going eleven and season. thirty to then go thirty and eleven. <laughs> With Dion that year, yeah. and they changed yeah. their whole te- they changed their whole system mm-hmm. mid season, Andrew, and that's what I mean about like a guy like Eric is that he's not he just doesn't do stuff. Oh, this is how we do it. No, mid season he's like guys, new plan. When they made the finals, they changed their entire defense when they acquired Iguodala and Crowder, and they started switching more, and they started do they asked Bam to do a lot more things. I mean, like that's a guy that like, hey, he's gonna challenge his players. He's gonna change up the scheme sometimes mid season, and his guys are like, okay, we ball. Yeah, I look. I think there are things Tibbs has brought to this team, like you said, the identity stuff that gets taken that's not for granted. Small, man. That's not like small. the 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 other night they they're playing Minnesota, who it's just a bitch to try and get any type of offense against them. Like if you're, if, especially so when you're not, dude. especially when you're not hitting shots, like you're, you're like, there are possessions where they're getting six or seven passes off. And it's like, okay, there's clearly they're, they're utilizing ball movement. They're getting around everything. And then they're getting to the rim where it's like, oh, this is there. They did it. They found the open man. And Rudy just comes out of nowhere. And it's like, oh, so, so that didn't work. And they're having so many problems on offense that night. And yet, they're still fighting in the fourth quarter. And it's like, yeah, that's a Tibbs team. Like there is a, a a floor with him that I think is appreciated. And I agree with you. Next talent upgrade. We then have the other conversation of does this require a coaching upgrade, which is a natural progression of things. But, you know, I, I'm curious about this matchup on Friday and how much juice will, will actually be there. Um, but it's a nationally televised game. It's, it's a, a playoff rematch, a technically a tournament game. And I'll, it'll lead to my last question. I've been I've been asking this Mount Rushmore question with everybody, G, and I've, I'm curious where you go with this. Because um, here in New York, we have the certain dates that we circle on the calendar, and this is absolutely the first one I circled when we got there. And I've been asking everybody, every fan base, what's the Mount Rushmore of rivals you look forward to? What are the four teams you circle on the calendar when... It, the, the schedule gets released every year. Are the Knicks on it for you, a, a longtime Heat fan? While I, I get it that like we go back to the '90s with this, I know that there are many Heat rivalries now because you've had some regular, some playoff success without us. So, who are the four teams? Okay, Boston for sure. I think mm-hmm. Boston is Miami's modern rival, and I think Celtic fans would say the same. Can I this follow year? up with that real quick, real quick? Because we yeah. had we had our buddy Jack uh, Simone on the pod, and he said someone at Celtics Pod said the Heat and Celtics are not a rivalry. Your comment? In what world they they that they they every time they've played, it's been clear who the better team is. That they're just a team that annoys me. They're not. There's wait, not enough wait. regular season matchups. Is he saying that 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 because the Heat of I think the Celtics have only won two playoff series against the Heat since 2010. Is that what he's Listen, saying? I think it's is he it's saying that that it's clear that Boston's not on Miami's level? No, no, no. But he's saying is like it's not a rivalry that like I see. I gotta go and read the article. Every Boston person I've talked to has. I believe with that. that they are. I thought that it would be very clear that the Heat are on the Celtics Mount Rushmore. Um, I I just at least now since that. 2010 since 2010 for sure. Man, there's enough history there. I think the 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 case that was more being made is that they're not the 
primary rivalry. Like it's no, not, not. It's, it's, it's not Celtics Lakers. Lakers. It's always going to be the Lakers. But like the argument was that the Sixers are then next, and it's like I. I understand that because of history. And but and they they're a division recently. rival. But I think the regular season aspect has been brought up too much. We're talking three of the last four years, the Celtics I think Boston and the Heat fans, have played in the playoffs. I think Boston fans hate the Heat more than the Sixers because the Heat are way more rent-free. It, it's constant like yeah. with them. And I've noticed it's constant. And listen, since 2010, they've played, they played three times in the Big Three era. And that went all three Twice. to the Heat. Twice, I'm sorry, they, right? They played twice, but they played yeah. one year before. When, yeah, when, so when the year that I forced yes. the, uh, yeah. the, before the big three. Yeah, I agree. So they, and that was actually pretty cool because it was the first round, the first year, then the second round, the second year, then the third round, the third year. Mm. Uh, so Miami went two and one. And then this recent kind of trilogy, Miami also went two and one, right? So and it was they, a shot at being three and oh. Yeah. They've played six times since 2010, bro. That's I believe me. I They've agree. Played it's a like rivalry. Half the There's years of the playoffs, to too. Yeah, yeah. And it's like big games. You know what I mean? Like, so the crazy. Celtics end it's, up it's being crazy. one. Celtics. Personally, bro, I hate Philly more than anything. Okay, I can't stand the Sixers. One of my favorite G rants on our I, dearly departed hangover time is you talking about Embiid. He's a bozo, bro. I can't. Did you see that flop yesterday to get the two free throws? I'm just sick of that. Shout guy. out to uh, our, our film expert, Benji Ritholt, said he wanted Embiid investigated for, for crimes against humanity for that flop. That's yes. not a shooting foul, dude. That's on the floor. Like, I'm so sick of it. Regardless. Yeah. So those two for sure. I would put the Knicks and the Lakers. This year, though, I replaced the Knicks with the Bucks because of the Dame saga. Mm. But for history, it's Celtics. Sixers, Knicks, Lakers. That's and a, not ooh. that the Lakers whoa, 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 are a rival. The Lakers? They're not a rival. But because I, of the was the LeBron and, and Riley thing? I, I think the LeBron thing, I think the Kobe Dwayne thing over the years, like back mm. in the back in the day, bro, Kobe Wade was like the matchup we wanted to watch every single year. And and it was Wade Shaq Kobe. Mm, yeah, you know that was the Christmas. That was so a Christmas like, day. Yeah, Heat Lakers to me, man. And then you have the finals history now, and then LeBron stuff. That's always been, you know, that for for Heat fans, I think, and I think that really, and I I wrote about this at the time when Kobe had retired. You know, a lot of Dwayne's career was contextualized through Kobe, and Kobe was always the measuring stick by which Dwayne was measured. And I think that Dwayne played some of his best basketball in those matchups, and those were unforgettable. You know, that amazing Kobe buzzer beater um, where he goes, that was that shot was all luck, right? Because mm-hmm. like the, him and Dwee was a, so always I'll always have a special place for that. But yeah, I think those would be I think those would be the four. I think at times that can that can change because Cleveland for a little bit because the Dwayne and LeBron mm-hmm. stuff w- was real. But I mean, you can't beat classic Shaq Kobe beef and then the D Wade element and then obviously. So that's where I go this year. I put Milwaukee. Over the Knicks only because that Dame stuff was spicy. So, but you know, always, always the Knicks is always like a, I always try to go to a game a year. Well, we'll see. So always a if, Nick game. We'll see if these games um, build up to something. Like if these two teams match up in the playoffs again. Um, I hope, man. You know, it's it's good for everybody. We have fun. The fan bases have fun, and I I love. I like to beef. I like like a good clean beef. You know what I mean? Like I love <laughs> clean beef. Like, yes. 
saying things that are like outside of the, I love the, 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 the little videos outside on fifth Avenue of, of the, the New Yorkers going crazy talking yeah. smack about Jimmy. You know, I, I love that, bro. I want that. I like our hangover time going at it with he fans. I like, you know, I love that. I like being at the arena and like, and I will say this about Nick fans and I want to, I'm glad I can say this to say this. I went as a he fan for game one and everybody was a great sport. Obviously, we all kept it clean and stuff, but you know, I talked my smack and they were just like, I see you game two. See you game two. <laughs> it was never escalated. It was like, you know, so shout out to shout out to New York for 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 keeping it for keeping it real. And I had a lot of fun when I went. So listen, there is I was scared, Andrew. I was like, are, are people gonna I... I've never been to a road playoff game before. And that was a hostile environment because your fans really get into the, it, but they do. And I think the garden is is one of the rare places that can win a game by itself. Like we saw that in the Cavs series. Like there's just not a single veteran on that team that was prepared or prepared some of the younger guys that hadn't been in that type of situation. Why does Harry Styles have a banner though? Because he sold out. A you can't have thing. Harry Styles. Out of it's a concert venue too. Like that's the problem with the Garden is that, that the things I, that it's I, the Harry things that it's Styles. most famous for. Like, but he has like a check mark. I have no idea what the check mark is, but he has a check mark. Billy Joel's got I something saw that. up there. I was like, what? Did but that's the thing. The Garden is famous, like the world's most famous arena for everything but the fact the Knicks play their home games there. So, like, when you look at the banners up there, you get an idea of how much success the Knicks it's have like had Patrick Ewing, in that building. Harry Styles. Right. But that Patrick Ewing's the last number they retired since the 70s. Gee, like they haven't had like the thing I like to bring up that a lot of Knicks fans that are also Yankee fans get annoyed about is like the Knicks are the Mets. Like they haven't had a ton of winning in their franchise. Is Melo getting the jersey retired? Great question. He's been around the garden a ton. Lately. He was there when I he was there for that game. He was he's there the entire playoffs. He's been at every home game this year. I think of him year. as a Nick. I think of him as a I, Nick. I, I think of him as a Nick too. I know in Denver he probably had more success, but number yeah, 15 ain't getting in Denver too, right? Number 15 is not getting retired with Melo's number or Melo's name on it in in Denver. So but it's not. Like number 15's Jokic. You do both for sure. I'd be fine with it, but I think I think if you're going to retire a number Mellow. I mean, come on. You have is the, the next it's one. Like, come on, it's like an there is a generation of young Knicks fans that became Knicks fans during the only successful era since 2000. And it's those two, three years with Mellow. And people you might, think the organization will do it, though. I think the fact that his old agent is running the franchise helps. But I, I have no I, I have no idea for it. That's I've a seen one, call, I imagine. Fine. But like, as you heard, in the news lately, Dolan's relenting a lot of his calls lately. He's more focused on this this globe out in Vegas at the moment. So I have no idea. I honestly have no idea. I probably lean yes that it'll eventually happen, but I I I, I have no idea. That's that's my answer. Okay. I, was, I, was told, I think he's like the most borderline you can get, where it's like maybe not enough success, but like clearly like a franchise icon, and he's like certainly like. You know, he he probably had more he probably had more quote unquote success somewhere else, but you know I think he was more iconic in in New York, so it kind of makes it because he he's certainly of a player he is of a status that deserves to be honored. Um, he's one of the you know he's one of the best basketball players ever. It's why I keep comparing it to the Mets. The Mets retired Mike Piazza's number. Mike Piazza 
finished over 500 with the Mets twice. They made the playoffs twice. Like, Melo made the playoffs with the Knicks three times. They made it to the conference finals, uh, conference semis, semis once. Like Game seven against Indy. Well, game six, which is it, ironically. Was it a seven? What, what was the it? It went block? six. The Hibbert blocks was game six in oh, Indiana. So it like, man, the parallels to last year's playoffs to that series sorry. with like Melo had 39 in that game six on the road, almost forced the I game remember. seven. Jalen Brunson had 40 on the road, just needed one more player to show up. And it had had to be more than just the referees. Except but, Hibbert's a goober. Yeah, I guess there was a stretch there where he worked and then the league decided fives needed to shoot threes. So um, he got kind of played out the league and as a result. Now now he's a YouTuber. Yes. And apparently one of the first things Knicks fans said to him is, please don't talk about the mellow block, which still haunts haunts my dreams. Um, All right. We're starting to bounce around and I, we got Thanksgiving plans to go work on. Gee, (laughs) thank you so much for every time you do this. I look forward to our conversations on and off air before you get out of here. Anything you want to say to Knicks fans about where they could find the Miami heat beat and some new things you guys do in the season. Listen, guys, I love when opposing fans listen to our post games. We're live uh, after most games. Um, on on twitch.tv slash Miami Heatbeat. I don't believe we're live on Friday. I think we have given the holiday off to everybody, but we will do a we will do a wrap-up pod on that and that will be live on Twitch. So follow us on Twitch. Follow us on Twitter at MIA Heatbeat. Come on, talk some smack. Let's let's bring the rivalry back, guys. Let's bring the energy. Let's have some fun. Let's, you know, let's hate each other. Let's do it. Follow me at Ginavas103, but but most importantly at MIA Heapy. You know, d- direct uh, direct attention there so we can uh, we can stoke some flames. We'll make beautiful music together, New York. Yes, let's do it. Gee, as always, man. Thanks for coming on. Love you guys. Once again, a big thank you, at least on behalf of me, to Giancarlo Navas, for coming on this show to help me preview Nick's Heat. Uh, to the entire Miami Heat beat crew, look, I am a big admirer of the work they do over there, of the people they have on staff over there. They do a lot of good things off the court, some really good causes that I agree with. I've actually like connected with one of their their staffers on uh, setting something up with the Knicks here on Long Island. Um, that There's just a lot of good people over there. So I appreciate what they do and I admire their analysis and how it, it mi- mixes the eye test with the advanced metrics and the film study. So that's good. Um, it's just a shame that they cover the evil empire down in South Beach. And I think I speak on behalf of 99.99% of Knicks fans that we hope Pat the Rat suffers a loss on Friday night. I know John falls into that 0.001% that is conflicted anytime Pat Riley loses. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm hoping the Knicks get a W. I also speak on behalf of the subset of Knicks Jets fans that... We just we really don't want to lose to Miami twice on Friday. And one thing just doesn't have a chance of happening, and that's the Jets winning uh, on Friday. Throw this back in my face. I'm you want to talk about all time low vibes or, or confidence levels. That's how Jet fans are. To to where we were before the season to where we are now. My goodness. I, I'm I'm in I'm in full tankathon mode in that sport. However, the Knicks have a game against the Heat on Friday. Uh, hopefully, it's it's an entertaining one. And hopefully, you've been entertained by this podcast. If you were, head on over to iTunes, drop a five-star rating and a review. Um, I'll be back Sunday morning with a pod previewing the Knicks matchup against the Suns. But until then, happy Thanksgiving. Sincerely, guys. Like I am genuinely thankful for 
what we've been able to build here. And it's only because of the community that we've built. Giancarlo and I were actually talking off the air after the show about like the, the, the industry and, you know, these, these fan generated sites that, you know, what they're able to build. And he pointed out like the successful ones don't build an audience. They build a community. And I am really proud of, of what we've built here. And, uh, I'm just I'm really thankful for everybody in this community and I, I look forward to it getting bigger. So until next time, thank you to our community. Enjoy the game Friday night. Happy Thanksgiving. And I will speak with you soon. Peace. Mark Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.